Hello and welcome to the final chapter episode of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. The Ant Boys finishing out strong. <laughs> Gotta get all the all the sound effects in here. The really long crickets. Pumped and jacked. Game pumped and jacked. Chapter thirty six. The flaw in the plan. Braden, how the heck are you? Doing well, doing well, getting ready for the NFL draft. Yep. We were talking a little draft before the show. Um, glad that it's getting warmer outside, or at least, you know, Indiana makes us think so from time to time, and then it'll snow again. But, um, yeah, man, how are you? You know, I'm good. I'm glad that we mutually agreed to just hit all of our AMP tropes. You know, go back, like, let's make sure we talk about regional sports. Um, let's make yep. sure we talk about the weather. Yep. Yep. Dogs. Dogs are next. Yeah. You know, George How's is doing George well. Weasley? Um, so we took the cover off the pool a couple weeks ago and he decided to jump in and it's like not clean yet or anything. It was, it was a bad boy boldness. choice. It was a bad boy choice. He hasn't done it since. So I think he's learning, but he's doing a great job of defending our home from the ducks that want to come land in the pool. Mm, the sinister ducks Mm -hmm. good on george yeah he's intent on that i'm just worried that if he's actually out there when they try to do it then he will jump in after them do you have any kind of um i don't i forget what they're called the the like home video devices like near your door that are supposed to like catch people trying to rob your amazon packages oh like a ring doorbell or like a simply safe situation Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to set one of those up mostly just to record George doing hilarious things yeah. in, in defense of the home. Yeah, it's because it's going to be interesting. He's never just been allowed to like go outside whenever he wants. But in the summer, yeah. you know, we'll have like the doors just open and he'll be able to kind of come in and out. And we'll have to see what kind of hijinks he gets up to. Yeah, there's definitely an adjustment period, at least like there was for Cooper when we went from like apartment living where – you know, you don't get to really do anything off the leash to out here where he can just, you know, do whatever the heck he wants. He like he didn't know what to do with himself for quite a while. Yeah. And he he eventually chose digging. Yeah, he took up digging um, as a pastime, which we've really enjoyed. <laughs> um, and now he's sort of moved on to um, chewing down emerging plants in the landscaping, <laughs> which has made Hannah um, ecstatic. I'm sure so she loves it. Yeah, that's been fun. He got in big trouble last night. He uh, he had a hosta for dinner. Um, <laughs> like so. fried or fertilized? Uh, yeah, he's kind of a sautéed guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just keep it simple. Yeah, but it's fun because usually when he does that, you're going to see it again, um, mm. potentially later on that night on like mm. the rug. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a twofer. Uh, which is which is fun. Yeah. It's good. You're getting your money's worth on that hosta. Yeah. Well, good. Um, so we are doing. I don't remember. Did we did we say we were going to do a live read for this, or did we say we weren't sure? Maybe. I think we said we were. Okay. If not, that's what we're doing, folks. We're doing a live read. I mean, you guessed it. You know, there wasn't a lot of suspense 
Live reads, it's one of our classic bits. Um, <laughs> I don't. It's that bit that you at, you at home know and love. You, you asked do. for it. Here it is. Ever since uh, we live read my guy Quarrel's face getting burnt off, you guys have been all in. You know, you're clamoring for more. So. We're just here to give the people what they want. So. Do some live read. You're Jalen. I'm Jacoby. We're giving the people what they want. Gosh, we are not. We are not that. Yeah. Yeah, we're Jalen and Jacoby for sure. <laughs> oh. Where? No, you're Stephen A. I'm Max Kellerman. That's uh, way worse. I'm Bill Simmons. You're Ryan Rosillo. Okay, I'll do that. Yep. That's probably That'll it. work. I like Ryan Rosillo. That's probably it. He butchered his interview with Nate Bargatze, but I forgive him. I don't even know who that is. You don't know who Nate Bargatze is? No, should I? I mean, no, not necessarily, but he's like my favorite comedian. Oh, okay. I think I've heard, I guess I was trying to think of in context of sports, but I think I've heard of that maybe as a comedian. Yeah, he was on Rusillo, um pretty recently. Was that the one where Rusillo tried out some jokes, like some of his stand-up? Yeah, tried out his own jokes. I heard him talking, yeah. he talked about that on Bill Simmons. Okay. Yeah, they were super bad. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I know they're going to be bad. Like, it's okay. Just let it let it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nate Bargatze has got a couple of specials on Netflix. You should check them out. I think you would. I think you would appreciate his humor. Okay. Um, let's get a quick catch up, just off off the dome. Like, if you're just going freestyle, like what? Where are we at in the Harry Potter series? Like, what just happened? What's going to happen? Let's just let's just do a quick refresh here. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Um, so we learned that Harry, um, has always been the sacrifice. Dumbledore knew that, uh, we were mad for a little bit because we kind of learned that Dumbledore, you know, in some ways, um, led him to the slaughter. And then, uh, we weren't that mad later because we kind of got some explanation as Harry like sort of went to purgatory for a little bit to talk to Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Purgatory train station. Yeah. Um, and Dumbledore was, I'm trying to remember all the, the intricacies of that conversation, but no one understands uh, all the intricacies of that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Snape is good there. now. Yeah. Yeah. We can kind of like, 90% we're like 90% sure he was good at least I am um yeah I'm I'm trying to pull that conversation back up here with Dumbledore and in my head with Dumbledore and Harry yeah it's cuz I remember of, walking away like I don't really know what just happened but fair. Harry now has the choice to like go back and live cuz he's not actually dead because Okay, we spent a lot of time working <laughs> through how that works uh-huh. um, and got almost nowhere in terms of comprehension. So, and this was a couple weeks ago, too. Yeah, yeah. So, he, because he was a Horcrux, Harry was a Horcrux, mm-hmm. um, when, Dum- when Voldemort killed him, um, Dang it! How did this work? He killed the he killed the piece of his own soul. Yes, yes, he yeah. killed that. He killed. Yeah, being a Horcrux, there was a piece of his soul in Harry 
when he killed Harry, he also killed that piece of himself, mm-hmm. which kind of absorbed the death, <laughs> I guess. So, like, Harry didn't have to die then. Yeah, it's like Harry was playing dodgeball, and he blocked a ball with a ball. You know, yeah. The ball was coming at him, and he blocked it with yeah. the ball that, Dum- that Voldemort had already given him. Yeah, it was like Voldemort tried to do the old trick where he like rolled mm-hmm. a ball on the ground mm-hmm. to get Harry's attention mm-hmm. and then wung a ball at him at the same time. You ever do that, but with, like, but with tossing one up in the air? Yes, yeah, yeah both ways. Yeah. Um, but somehow Harry caught it first and then deflected. Yeah. Harry like jumped on his broom, flew up, and caught the ball that was tossed in the air mm-hmm. and deflected Voldemort's throw. Got to remember that he's got a broom, you know? Yeah. It's an oversight. Yeah, so that was a uh, we really beat that dead horse. Um, so basically, Harry's not dead, or or is or is choosing. We left him with the choice last time. We're assuming he's going to come back, right? We didn't yeah. actually come back yet. No, that's been our assumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else am I leaving out? No, that's, that's where we are. That's where we are. So assuming Harry does come back, where is his physical body? Ooh, I hadn't thought through this. Oh, you're, so you're meaning like actual location, not like as in he might not have it. It's a, it's a princess bride situation where it's going to take him a few hours to like regain the use of all of his limbs. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember where this, where the murder actually happened. Was it in the tower? No, that was where Dumbledore died. Um, it yeah. is in, they're in the forest. They're in the forest. They're where Aragog used to live, the giant spider. So basically just like a cave? It's like a, it's a hollow, yeah, in the forest. Okay. So that's what happened. So his body's presumably just laying in the forest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Just wanted to get get us all caught up. You know, I knew that you knew what was going on, but like for the listeners, you know. Like, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're a listener. Sure they will too. Listener first podcast. So, um, so I'm going to read yeah. and then uh, we're, there's going to be a couple stops. It looks like one, two, three. Three, maybe four, three to four stops, and we'll just kind of take the pulse of where we're at. And I've got some questions. I wrote down, "Do we care?" Just out of habit, like I wrote it as a category, but like I don't, I don't know how to do we care this chapter. So, if you have any thoughts, if you have any thoughts, call in nine seven eight seven six eight eight three seven zero. Call into nine seven eight Potter zero, and let us know what we care about. What do you care about? Okay, chapter 36, The Flaw in the Plan. He was lying face down on the ground again, per use. The smell of the forest filled his nostrils. He could feel the cold, hard ground beneath his cheek, and the hinge of his glasses, which had been knocked sideways by the fall, cutting into his temple. Every inch of him ached, and the place where the killing curse had hit him felt like the bruise of an ironclad punch. He did not stir, but remained exactly where he had fallen with his left arm bent out at an awkward angle and his mouth gaping. He had expected to hear cheers of triumph and jubilation at his death, but instead hurried footsteps, whispers, and solicitous murmurs filled the air. My lord, my lord, 
It was Bellatrix's voice, and she spoke as if to a lover. Yeah. Harry did not dare open his eyes, but allowed his other senses to explore his predicament. He knew that his wand was still stowed beneath his robes because he could feel it pressed between his chest and the ground. A slight cushioning effect in the area of his stomach told him that the invisibility cloak was also there, stuffed out of sight. My lord, that will do, said Voldemort's voice. More footsteps. Several people were backing away from the same spot. Desperate to see what was happening and why, Harry opened his eyes by a millimeter. Voldemort seemed to be getting to his feet. Various Death Eaters were hurrying away from him. Returning to the crowd lining the clearing, Bellatrix alone remained behind, kneeling beside Voldemort. Harry closed his eyes again and considered what he had seen. The Death Eaters had been huddled around Voldemort, who seemed to have fallen to the ground. Something had happened when he had hit Harry with a killing curse. Had Voldemort, too, collapsed? It seemed like it. And both of them had fallen briefly unconscious, and both of them had now returned. My lord, let me. I do not require assistance, said Voldemort coldly, and though he could not see it, Harry pictured Bellatrix withdrawing a helping hand. The boy. Is he dead? There was complete silence in the clearing. Nobody approached Harry, but he felt their concentrated gaze. It seemed to press him harder into the ground, and he was terrified a finger or an eyelid might twitch. Adjusting the mic here. You, said Voldemort, and there was a bang and a small shriek of pain. Examine him. Tell me whether he is dead. Harry did not know who had been sent to verify. He could only lie there with his heart thumping traitorously and wait to be examined but at the same time noting, though small comfort it was, that Voldemort was wary of approaching him, that Voldemort suspected that all had not gone to plan. Hands, softer than he had been expecting, touched Harry's face, pulled back an eyelid, crept beneath his shirt, down to his chest, and felt his heart. He could hear the woman's fast breathing. Her long hair tickled his face. He knew that she could feel the steady pounding of life against his ribs. Is Draco alive? Is he in the castle? The whisper was barely audible. Her lips were an inch from his ear. His, her head bent so low that the long hair shielded her, her face, shielded his face from the onlookers. Yes, he breathed back. He felt the hand on his chest contract. Her nails pierced him. Then it was withdrawn. She had sat up. He is dead, Narcissa Malfoy called to the watchers. And now they shouted. Now they yelled in triumph and stamped their feet. And, through his eyelids, Harry saw bursts of red and silver light shooting into the air in celebration. Still feigning death on the ground, he understood. Narcissa knew that the only way she would be permitted to enter Hogwarts and find her son was as part of the conquering army. She no longer cared whether Voldemort won. You see? shrieked Voldemort over the tumult. Tumult. Harry Potter is dead by my hand, and no man alive can threaten me now. Watch. Crucio! Harry had been expecting it, knew his body would not be allowed to remain unsullied upon the forest floor. It must be subjected to humiliation to prove Voldemort's victory. He was lifted into the air, and it took all his determination to remain limp, yet the pain he expected did not come. He was thrown once, twice, three times into the air. His glasses flew off, and he felt his wand slide a little beneath his robes, but he kept himself floppy and lifeless. And when he fell to the ground for the last time, the clearing echoed with jeers and shrieks of laughter. Now, said Voldemort, we go to the castle and show them what has become of their hero. Who shall drag the body? No, wait. 
there was a fresh outbreak of laughter, and after a few moments, Harry felt the ground trembling beneath him. "'You carry him,' Voldemort said. "'He will be nice and visible in your arms, will he not? "'Pick up your little friend, Hagrid, and the glasses. "'Put on the glasses. He must be recognizable.' Someone slammed Harry's glasses back onto his face with deliberate force, but the enormous hands that lifted him into the air were exceedingly gentle. Harry could feel Hagrid's arms trembling upon the force of his heavy sobs. Great tears splashed down upon him as Hagrid cradled Harry in his arms, and Harry did not dare, by movement or word, to intimate to Hagrid that all was not yet lost. Move, said Voldemort, and Hagrid stumbled forward, forcing his way through the close-growing trees, back through the forest. Branches caught at Harry's hair and robes, but he lay quiescent, his mouth lolling open, his eyes shut, and in the darkness, while the Death Eaters crowed all around them, and while Harry sobbed blindly, Hagrid, Hagrid sobbed blindly, nobody looked to see whether a pulse beat in the exposed neck of Harry Potter. The two giants crashed along behind the Death Eaters. Harry could hear trees creaking and falling as they passed. They made so much din that birds rose shrieking into the sky, and even the jeers of the Death Eaters were drowned. The victorious procession marched on toward the open ground, and after a while, Harry could tell, by the lightning, lightning of the darkness through his closed eyelids, that the trees were beginning to thin. Bane! Hagrid's unexpected bellow nearly forced Harry's eyes open. Happy now, are you? That you didn't fight, you cowardly bunch of nags? Are you happy Harry Potter's dead? Hagrid could not continue, but broke down in fresh tears. Harry wondered how many centaurs were watching their procession pass. He dared not open his eyes to look. Some of the Death Eaters called insults at the centaurs as they left them behind. A little later, Harry sensed, by a freshening of the air, that they had reached the edge of the forest. Stop! Harry thought that Hagrid must have been forced to obey Voldemort's command, because he lurched a little. And now a chill settled over them where they stood, and Harry heard the, ra- heard the rasping breath of the Dementors that patrolled the outer trees. They would not affect him now. The power of his own survival burned inside him, a talisman against them, as though his father's stag kept guardian in his heart. Someone passed close by Harry, and he knew that it was Voldemort himself, because he spoke a moment later, his voice magically magnified so that it swelled through the grounds, crashing upon Harry's eardrums. Harry Potter is dead. He was killed as he ran away, trying to save himself while you lay your lives down for him. We bring you his body as proof that your hero is gone. The battle is won. You have lost half your fighters. My Death Eaters outnumber you, and the boy who lived is finished. There must be no more war. Anyone who continues to resist, man, woman, or child, will be slaughtered, as will every member of their family. Come out of the castle now, kneel before me, and you shall be spared. Your parents and children, your brothers and sisters, will live and be forgiven, and you will join me in the new world we shall build together. There was silence in the grounds and from the castle. Voldemort was so close to him that Harry did not dare open his eyes again. Come, said Voldemort, and Harry heard him move ahead, and Hagrid was forced to follow. Now Harry opened his eyes a fraction and saw Voldemort striding in front of them, wearing the great snake Nagini around his shoulders, now free of her enchanted cage. 
but Harry had no possibility of extracting the wand concealed under his robes without being noticed by the Death Eaters who marched on either side of them through the slowly lightening darkness. Harry, sobbed Hagrid. Oh, Harry, Harry. Harry shut his eyes tight again. He knew that they were approaching the castle and strained his ears to distinguish, above the gleeful voices of the Death Eaters and their tramping footsteps, signs of life from those within. Stop! So I figured that was an appropriate place for us to stop. Because Voldemort said stop. So a couple questions here for you. What's up? Nothing. Other questions. Okay. Uh, Two questions. Uh, Narcissa's choice. What do we make of this? So are the Malfoys good now? Do Do we care why she did what she did? Um, well, I mean, she made that vow, right, to protect Harry. Didn't he? Didn't she like promise that to her sister or something, to Harry's mom? So, so um, Harry's mom's sister is Petunia. Narcissa is Draco's mom. She made Snape make a vow to her to protect Draco. Okay, that year I knew there that, was a the year that Draco was vow. trying to kill Dumbledore. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that's kind of a bold move on her part. Uh, I don't think that means the Malfoys are good. Uh, I think that just means she is willing to, as any mother would, willing to do whatever it takes to save her son. So, um, And she knows that. Well, I don't know, because like, it is kind of a bold move either way, because... If Harry, like, just didn't even tell her, like, I mean, yeah. What if he was like, what if? Care off me. Your breath is terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. And like, I mean, even if Harry knew at one point he hasn't been in the castle for a while now, a while now, like Draco could still be, he could have died in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, that's true. Um, he could have left, run away. He's a cowardly so, gay. Yeah, just kind of a, kind of a ballsy move there for Narcissa. Yeah. I don't really know if she has some sort of ulterior motive with that. Um, Maybe Draco like confessed to her because Draco was kind of we we weren't sure where he was at in some of the last scenes too with him like where he when Harry's face was all swollen and he kind of like refused to identify him and yeah. you know maybe Draco maybe Draco and Narcissa are kind of on the same page you know maybe they had like a private like mom I don't I don't know if we know what we got into this is bad. Yeah, it's not necessarily that they're good, but they're like not as firmly aligned with Voldemort as they traditionally have been, right? Right. They're right. getting closer to neutral. Okay. Um so I think Vold- Voldemort's probably one of those guys, those villains that like the fear is what drives people, and then once he displays kind of like a cold like the, the the pinnacle of his heartless uh, power, I guess it's kind of like 
there's probably a breaking point for characters like Narcissa, right? Where it's like, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm a Dumbledore guy or a or a good guy on this in this particular situation, but you know, right. maybe she's just kind of like I. I think we've gone too far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's I think not, as a. No, go ahead. Sorry, and I think to make it more practical too, like maybe seeing Harry killed, you know, a classmate of Malfoy's same age as her son mm-hmm. kind of shook her a little bit like, you know, Oh man, that's, that's somebody's son. And I don't even know where mine is right now. He could be dead. Like, you know, we've gone too far. So second question here to so the best of your like knowledge, what is Voldemort's plan at this point? Like, if everything goes according to what Voldemort wants, like, what are his next couple steps going to be? Everybody surrenders. He gets to kill the ones that try to continue to rebel. And, I mean, I feel like with his obsession with Hogwarts, his first Mm -hmm. action will be to, like, set the school up the way he wants. So what does that look like? I mean, they've been already, like, torturing kids and stuff. Um, It's probably just, like, a school of dark arts, right? Like, that's really the only classes there are. It's just, like, a everybody... I don't know. It's, it's probably more like a military setup where he's just, like, training his own slave troops. It's an indoctrination thing. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, then I guess that makes sense. Just kill everyone else. Like, so he, so he sees himself as like a God King sort of thing. Yeah, I would assume so. He's just wanting everyone to bow down. I mean, he says kneel at one point. Yeah, it gets, I don't know. I think it gets interesting from here. Like, let's say Harry truly was dead. Like what else is there? You know, did he think about the past this moment? Right. Or is it just kind of like, I got to kill Harry and then I'll take care of it. You know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Like, what does he do now? What is his motivation now? Yeah, I think we talked before about like, do you really want to rule a group of people that like have absolutely no desire for you to rule them? Like, what are you like getting out of that at the end of the day? Like wealth, I guess. Like the power, like permission to torture, like if that's your thing. Yeah, I don't know if it's, like, the status of being the most powerful wizard. Mm -hmm. Like, he wants, you know, like, that's what satisfies him is, like, knowing that, that there's no one out there who can defeat me. But even that, like, how satisfying is that? Yeah. How long-term satisfying is that? Like, I mean, he would be bored now, right? It's like those classic like villain versus superhero. Yeah. Um, you know, that tension where it's like I kind of we need each other cuz what else what would we do if we defeated one another? Yeah, Joker's never actually going to kill Batman. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Uh we're near the bottom of page 729. We're starting back up after stop. The Death Eaters came to a halt. Harry heard them spreading out in a line facing the open front doors of the school. 
He could see, even through his closed lids, the reddish glow that meant light streamed upon him from the entrance hall. He waited. Any moment, the people for whom he had tried to die would see him, lying apparently dead, in Hagrid's arms. No! The scream was the more terrible because he had never expected or dreamed that Professor McGonagall could make such a sound. He heard another woman laughing nearby and knew that Bellatrix gloried in McGonagall's despair. He squinted again for a single second and saw the open doorway filling with people as the survivors of the battle came out onto the front steps to face their vanquishers and to see the truth of Harry's death for themselves. He saw Voldemort standing a little in front of him, stroking Nagini's head with a single white finger. He closed his eyes again. No! No! Harry! Harry! Harry, Hermione's, and Ginny's voices were worse than McGonagall's. Harry wanted nothing more than to call back, yet he made himself lie silent, and their cries acted like a trigger. The crowd of survivors took up the cause, screaming and yelling abuse at the Death Eaters, until, Silence! cried Voldemort, and there was a bang and a flash of bright light, and silence was forced upon them all. It is over. Set him down, Hagrid, at my feet, where he belongs. Harry felt himself lowered onto the grass. You see, said Voldemort, and Harry felt him striding backward and forward, right beside the place where he lay. Harry Potter is dead. Do you understand now, deluded ones? He was nothing, ever but a boy who relied on others to sacrifice themselves for him. He beat you, yelled Ron, his mouth stuffed with turkey leg, and the charm broke, and the defenders of Hogwarts were shouting and screaming again until a second, more powerful bang extinguished their voices once more. He was killed while trying to sneak out of the castle grounds, said Voldemort, and there was relish in his voice for the lie. Killed while trying to save himself. But Voldemort broke off. Harry heard a scuffle and a shout, then another bang, a flash of light, and a grunt of pain. He opened his eyes an infinitesimal amount. Someone had broken free of the crowd and charged at Voldemort. Harry saw the figure hit the ground, disarmed, Voldemort throwing the challenger's wand aside and laughing. And who is this? He said in his soft snake's hiss. Who has volunteered to demonstrate what happens to those who continue to fight when the battle is lost? Bellatrix gave a delighted laugh. It is Neville Longbottom, my lord, the boy who has been giving the Caros so much trouble. The son of the Aurors, remember? Ah, yes, I remember, said Voldemort, looking down at Neville, who was struggling back to his feet, unarmed and unprotected, standing in the no-man's land between the survivors and the Death Eaters. But you are a pure blood, aren't you, my brave boy? Voldemort asked Neville, who stood facing him, his empty hands curled in fists. So what if I am? said Neville loudly. I'm just making up accents for Neville and Bellatrix, just picking different. <laughs> they weren't even appropriate. So what if I am then? Like, that's not a Neville voice. It's tough. It's tough. Give him more of a Boston accent. He's all of a sudden gotten <laughs> super tough. I, I, the, the Boston is just one that I, I can, like, I mean, I always try to do the, like, the Pacticon, the Harvard Yard. So what yeah. if I am? Yeah, there you go. But it it gets to be New York, you know? Yeah. Like, it creeps in there. Yeah. Pacticon, Harvard Yard. Neville Longbottom. <laughs> Big Poppy. 
Hey, screw you, Voldemort. <laughs> so what if I am? So you're doing Neville from now on, I guess. You show spirit and bravery, and you come of noble stock. You will make a very valuable Death Eater. We need your kind, Neville Longbottom. I'll join you when El Freeze is over, said Neville. <laughs> Dumbledore's army, he shouted. And there was an answering cheer from the crowd, whom Voldemort's silencing charm seemed unable to hold. Very well, said Voldemort, and Harry heard more danger in the silkiness of his voice than in the most powerful curse. If that is your choice, Neville Longbottom, we revert to the original plan. On your head, be it. Still watching through his lashes, Harry saw Voldemort wave his wand. Seconds later... Out of one of the castle's shattered windows, something that looked like a misshapen bird flew through the half-light and landed in Voldemort's hand. He shook the mildewed object by its pointed end, and it dangled empty and ragged, the sorting hat. There will be no more sorting at Hogwarts school, said Voldemort. There will be no more houses. The emblem, shield, and colors of my noble ancestor, Salazar Slytherin, will suffice for everyone, won't they, Neville Longbottom? He pointed his wand at Neville, who grew rigid and still, then forced the hat onto Neville's head so that it slipped down below his eyes. There were movements from the watching crowd in front of the castle, and, as one, the Death Eaters raised their wands, holding the fighters of Hogwarts at bay. Neville here is going to demonstrate what happens to anyone foolish enough To continue to oppose me, said Voldemort, and with a flick of his wand, he caused the sorting hat to burst into flames. So we're going to pause here. Wow. So there's a Uh, flaming sorting hat on Neville's head right now. So I guess we're just going to watch Neville be burned alive. Yeah. It's one of those, like, you know, did we really think Voldemort was going to go down without a fight? Yeah, I just keep waiting. Like, I had to struggle to not read ahead here. I didn't, but I <laughs> wanted to. Uh, like, <laughs> there's the tension building up inside me of like, okay, Harry, what's the plan here? It's <laughs> like, time to... How long are we going to be dead? <laughs> Harry's like, okay, we'll just let a few people get burned. He's never going to expect it. <laughs> gotta let him monologue for a little bit longer yeah, yeah getting everything set up the centaurs are creeping around the back getting it yeah. all set up yeah man i just i totally missed on the neville prediction really thought he was gonna end up on the on Voldemort's side. I thought maybe this was the moment where my, uh, my was like, eh, came full yeah, well, you know what, Voldemort? I mean, you seem pretty strong, and yeah, I guess I'll just kind of jump in for that. Ah, screw it. Um, yeah, you skipped ahead. That was a later question I had was about uh, how, how wrong or right were we about Neville from the beginning. Seems like um, we were pretty wrong. So I was going to ask, it kind of goes back about a page, but... I mean, Harry is just, like, gutted by the reactions he hears from, like, McGonagall, Harry, you know, Ron, Hermione, Ginny, and then Neville. So who, for you, what which one hit the hardest? Like, who was the, what was the most sad for you? 
Neville Neville uh, running out like he he won't he doesn't believe it. You know, Ron, Hermione, Ginny. I think McGonagall. Yeah, that's what me. it is for me. Yeah, because McGonagall's always holding it together. Yeah, she's always kind of our rock of like logic and um, what's the word? Just like rigidity, you know. She's following. She's the rules. Yeah, like she's kind of the quarterback. Like when stuff's like going crazy and you know we're kind of losing confidence. Like McGonagall is kind of that mainstay of like, no, here's the plan. Um, yeah, so she, to she's see, unflappable. Yeah, she can't be flapped. So mm-hmm. to see her lose her composure, uh, I think is the most impactful in that scene. Because you're like, oh, she just like loves. She like loved Harry Potter like a son. Like yeah. it turns yep. out. Yeah, and like this is the one time she offered him a cookie. Like that was her way of showing it. Yeah, there's that piece of it, and I think then the other side, you know, pointing back to like losing the composure, like seeing her sort of um, having that like visceral reaction yeah. of of more or less admitting defeat, right? Yeah, like if uh, if you thought we had a chance, like when you see McGonagall like distraught, then you're like, oh, I guess like. She must be right, so like I guess yeah, we don't have a yeah. chance. <laughs> yeah, I mean she's all we, really all we have left right now in terms she's, of like a an adult leader. Yeah, I mean Lupin's dead, Lupin and Tonks. Um, I mean it depends where you fall on like Kingsley, Arthur, yeah. Arthur and Molly are still alive, I guess. But I mean you think of, I mean we think of McGonagall as like a top five most powerful, sure, like, witch or wizard, so. In the in those kind of ranks, yeah, I mean, she's about you know Snape's gone. Who, like who beats Bellatrix? You know, in a one on one, right? So. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. most sad about McGonagall. Uh, we're we're yeah. uh, we're nervous for Neville with a sodium hat being on fire. Yeah. Yeah. This um, I know. I know we talk about it a lot, so I won't like belabor the point, but. Um, I was talking to one of my friends that actually, um, just realized like in the last two weeks that, uh, we've been doing this podcast. And so we were talking a lot about Harry Potter and, uh, just talking about the progression of like it being really kid friendly Mm -hmm. and, and still kid friendly at this point, but like definitely a lot more edgy and dark. Right. And like this, this scene, especially, um, like now we're bringing torture into, uh, which is like, I think we've talked about this too, but like for my wife, like she probably won't be able to watch this scene of the movie. Uh, she just, she just can't do torture scenes period. Just will not refuses. We'll leave the room. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, just again, um, the escalation of like the adult kind of dark, um, I don't know. I'm just thinking back now, like going from the first book to now. It's mm-hmm. it's you know. Harry loved walking into Hogwarts and was like, "Wow, look at the moving staircases!" <laughs> yeah. And now, out of the totally broken castle came a hat that was on fire and stabbed Neville with a thousand blades. Yeah, yeah. Because like reading through the first or second book, it was kind of like, I, okay, Rogie, like this is fine, but how do you still love this this much? 
because this wouldn't really have the longevity like, for me. Like, my favorite book cool. isn't Peter Cottontail. Like, I don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, dude, I love the Magic Treehouse, but I haven't read it since, you know. Like, it was fine, and it, it tied me over for a while, but, you know, I'm not still talking about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it makes more sense. Yeah. It's like, these are, these are a lot more... They, they cover a wide age range, age range in terms of like mm-hmm. entertainment and um, gripping you with the story. So. Yeah, and I mean, we, we you know we have plenty of time to do like our series recap and like man, and it got darker. But it's like you can you know you love how it ties back to the first book. Like so much of stuff that happens in this book is like oh, remember the chapter seven, like when this important thing happens, and it like you know that's the linchpin holding things together. Or um, right, and we can also have the conversation about like. I guess looking back, Harry killed a guy at the end of the first one. Just kind of, yeah. kind of murdered a guy, yeah. and and you were like, "Okay, when are we going to get to some adult books?" I don't know. And, and then the <laughs> second one, uh, Ginny kills like a bunch of roosters and paints in their blood on the walls, like racistly threatening Muggleborns. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I guess it wasn't. But we were, th- more, we were focused on the more, on Quidditch. Like, was Harry going to win the cup that yeah. year? Yeah, I don't – it felt more subliminal. Yeah. Like, those were obvious examples that we read, but yeah. it didn't feel as, like – I don't know. I think, like, you know, I say this a lot. Like, I equate I, – I bring the movies into my head sure. and, you know, kind of splice them together with what I've read in the books then as in my memory – and like you know, a lot of the earlier movies are brighter, oh, and like the so music's much more fun. It's and it's it's very explicit how much brighter, like even like the opening like Harry Potter like words, like the palette just gets darker, like progressively yeah, darker. Yeah. yeah, like I'm assuming this last movie, like you have to have a black light to be able to watch <laughs> the movie. It's yeah. just, uh. yeah. All right, let's let's figure out what happens to Neville here. Okay. I'm just going to reread that last little paragraph. Neville here is going to demonstrate what happens to anyone foolish enough to continue to oppose me, said Voldemort, and with a flick of his wand, he caused the sorting hat to burst into flames. Screams split the dawn, and Neville was aflame, rooted to the spot, unable to move, and Harry could not bear it. He must act. And then... Many things happened in the same moment. <laughs> what, a, what a chief sentence. <laughs> and then a bunch of and stuff then, happened. It was crazy. And then all the things yeah. they happened. They heard uproar from the distant boundary of the school as what sounded like hundreds of people came swarming over the out-of-sight walls and pelted toward the castle, uttering loud war cries. At the same time, Grop came lumbering around the side of the castle and yelled, Hagger! His cry was answered by roars from Voldemort's giants. They ran at Grop like bull elephants, making the earth quake. Then came hooves and the twangs of bows, and arrows were suddenly falling amongst the Death Eaters, who broke ranks, shouting their surprise. Oh, arrows! Harry pulled the invisibility cloak from inside his robes, swung it over himself, and sprang to his feet as Neville moved too. In one swift, fluid motion, Neville broke free of the body-bind curse upon him, The flaming hat fell off him, and he drew from its depths something silver with a glittering rubied handle. 
The slash of the silver blade could not be heard over the roar of the oncoming crowd or the sounds of the clashing giants or of the stampeding centaurs, and yet it seemed to draw every eye. With a single stroke, Nagini sliced off the great Neville sliced off the great snake's head, which spun Nagini high cuts in the off air. Neville's head. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Spin zone. Gleaming in the light flooding from the entrance hall, and Voldemort's mouth was open in a scream of fury that nobody could hear, and the snake's body thudded to the ground at his feet. Hidden beneath the invisibility cloak, Harry cast a shield charm between Neville and Voldemort before the latter could raise his wand. Then, over the screams and the roars and the thunderous stamps of the battling giants, Hagrid's, Hagrid, who's louder than three giants, his yell came loudest of all. Harry! Hagrid shouted. Harry! Where's Harry? Chaos reigned. The charging centaurs were scattering the Death Eaters. Everyone was fleeing the giant stampeding feet, and nearer and nearer thundered the reinforcements who had come from who knows where. Harry saw great winged creatures soaring around the heads of Voldemort's giants, Festrals, and my guy Buckbeak the Hippogriff, scratching at their eyes while Grop punched and pummeled them. And now the wizards, defenders of Hogwarts and Death Eaters alike, were being forced back into the castle. Harry was shooting jinxes and curses at any Death Eater he could see, and they crumpled, not knowing what or who had hit them, and their bodies were trampled by the retreating crowd. Still hidden beneath the invisibility cloak, Harry was buffeted into the entrance hall. He was searching for Voldemort and saw him across the room, firing spells from his wand as he backed into the great hall, still screaming instructions to his followers as he sent curses flying left and right. Harry cast more shield charms, and Voldemort's would-be victims, Seamus Finnegan and Hannah Abbott, darted past him into the great hall, where they joined the fight already flourishing inside it. And now there were more, even more people storming up the front steps, and Harry saw Charlie Weasley overtaking Horace Slughorn, who was still wearing his emerald pajamas. They seemed to have returned to the head of what looked like the families and friends of every Hogwarts student who had remained to fight, along with the shopkeepers and homeowners of Hogwarts. The centaurs, Bane, Ronan, and Megorian, burst into the hall with a great clatter of hooves, as behind Harry, the doors that led to the kitchens, was blasted off its hinges. The house elves of Hogwarts swarmed into the entrance hall, screaming and waving carving knives and cleavers, and at their head, the locket of Regulus Black bouncing on his chest was Creature, his bullfrog's voice audible even above this din. Fight! Fight! Fight for my master, defender of house elves! Fight for the Dark Lord in the name of brave Regulus! Fight! They were hacking and stabbing at the ankles and shins of Death Eaters, their tiny faces alive with malice. And everywhere Harry looked, Death Eaters were folding under sheer weight of numbers, overcome by spells, dragging arrows from wounds, not a good idea, stabbed in the leg by elves, or else simply attempting to escape, but swallowed by the oncoming horde. So I was going to pause there. Seemed like a good, good stopping point. Um... So Rachel compared this, that scene that just happened to, I'm assuming you've seen, I'm pretty sure you've seen the Avengers movies. Uh, actually, no. No? I would, uh, yeah. I don't, don't spoil them because Hannah and I, I think are about to get Disney Plus and I'm going to just like, I'm just going to like not go to work or go outside my house for like a month and watch them all. 
Okay. Are you going to do it like in order? Like it has, we've been yeah. watching through them and it has them like you start at Iron yeah. Man and you go to Captain America and all that. Okay. Yeah. Cause in the past I was really into them and I, I started from the beginning and watched all the way up to, that was the summer that Ant-Man came out. Uh-huh. And so love I had it. watched love all Ant-Man. the way. Yeah. I watched all the way. I love Paul Rudd. Love Paul watched Rudd. Them, watched them all the way up to that and then went and saw Ant-Man in the theaters mm-hmm. Um, and then like, for whatever reason, dude, I can't, like, there's no good excuse. I just fell off. Wow. I don't know what happened, mm-hmm. but I have, I literally haven't seen anything since it's okay. bad. See, Ant-Man was one of the f- first ones, one of the earliest ones I saw in theaters. Cause I was like, ah, you know, like I'm, you know, Marvel movies are beneath me. Like I'm a more conscientious consumer of culture than that. Like give me the Oscar nominees and stuff. Um, yeah. but with Ant-Man and then Black Panther, which was nominated for like maybe best picture or something, it was like well-regarded. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was like, okay, well, one of these has been Dick Cumberbatch in it. I saw that one in theaters. And so then I had to start going. I was like, Scott, I don't understand what's happening. My buddy, like he, he owned all the movies before Disney plus, And so he like started bringing them over and we we're watching them and stuff. So, yeah, well then I will not spoil this scene from the end of the last movie <laughs> for you. Yeah, that'd, that'd be good. Um, yeah, the last movie, I guess. Uh, but who, of, of all of these groups of people and fighters and stuff that just showed up, which one got you the most pumped? Did you get pumped Creature. at all? It was Creature? Creature, yeah. In my head, that door hinge flies off and Creature starts walking out, but it's like slow-mo mm-hmm. and it's like, like an ACDC song or something. Yeah. yeah. Like creature strikes me as a guy who would listen to ACDC. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So that, I feel like that there's like dust like, settling around him. Yeah. The lights hitting yeah. him. Making no, like no, a long, no. There's a tall shadow around him. You see elves like, like, you know, stabbing people in the ankles yeah. and slow-mo and they're yeah. kicking and biting and punching, but he's just walking stoically. Like, yeah, just, you know, cool guys don't look at explosions type yeah. thing. And then it's just like everything like um, sort of time warps and speeds back up into not slow-mo. And then it's just him yelling like, fart, fart. So this is like the scene in 300 where Leonidas like takes the arrows, but it's just like only focused on throwing his spear <laughs> right at Xerxes. Okay. Yeah. But then it zooms way out like in uh, the Night of the Museum movie when the little guys are the ones like poking the feet with their swords. Okay. And you realize that they're just – they're still house elves, so they're really small. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But like they're quick, you know, they're feisty yeah. and they're, they're like, they're ready for the heat, you know, like they're not out there like, Oh no, it turns out they're big and running away. They're like, no, we're going to like stab you guys a bunch. Like you've yeah. been like <laughs> medium key indentured servituding us like a lot. <laughs> so like we've got some rage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Creatures that, I mean, yeah, everyone love who doesn't love creature coming out. Cause also like, when's the last time you thought about creature? Not this calendar year. You know, no. And you're remembering, <laughs> no. like, oh man, like creature did, like he came around and he went from like being terrible to like being super into Harry and stuff. Well, yeah, and it's kind of like the the best um, memory tie we have to Dobby. You know, mm-hmm, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Dobby. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah, Dobby, Dobby and Creature knew each other. They worked on a mission together at one point. Yeah. No, <laughs> they you're worked together. Right. They did. They were coworkers. <laughs> yeah. They were compatriots. Awesome. Okay. So we're in the, we're pretty much mostly pushed into the Great Hall. Just about everybody is in there, like standing on the Gryffindor table and all that stuff. So that's where we are. But 
It was not over yet. Harry sped between duelers, past struggling prisoners, and into the Great Hall. Voldemort was in the center of the battle, and he was striking and smiting all within his reach. Harry could not get a clear shot, but fought his way nearer, still invisible, and the Great Hall became more and more crowded as everyone who could walk forced their way inside. Harry saw Yaxley slammed to the floor by George and Lee Jordan, saw Dolohov fall with a scream at Flitwick's hands, saw Walden McNair, that's the guy who was going to, uh, you know, exterminate Buckbeak or whatever. Oh, yep, yep. Saw Walden McNair uh, thrown across the room by Hagrid, hit the stone wall opposite, and slide unconscious to the ground. He saw Ron and Neville bringing down Fenrir Greyback, Aberforth stunning Rookwood, Arthur and Percy flooring thickness, and Lucius and Narcissa Malfoy running through the crowd, not even attempting to fight, screaming for their son. (laughs) Voldemort was now dueling McGonagall, Slughorn, and Kingsley all at once, and there was cold hatred in his face as they wove and ducked around him, unable to finish him. Bellatrix was still fighting too, 50 yards away from Voldemort, and like her master, she dueled three at once. Hermione, Ginny, and Luna, all battling their hardest, but Bellatrix was equal to them, and Harry's attention was diverted as a killing curse shot so close to Ginny that she missed death by an inch. So of those six, do you see any deaths? McGonagall, Slughorn, Kingsley, Hermione, Ginny, Luna? Yeah, um, I feel like... I feel like we'll get kind of like a sacrificial move from Luna. It seems like the heartstring that JKR would would tug on here. Yeah, I mean, we've seen, you know, her mom died. And so it's kind of like, you know, her dad sacrifices integrity, like to try to get her back. So like it would be a kind of a fitting, kind of a fitting uh, end to it, I guess. Okay. Right, right. Rachel, are you coming? Rachel needs to come in for this next page because there's just there's a voice and a line. He, don't look down. You don't look down at the page. I I, I didn't read anything. Okay, there's a vo- there's a, just a line here that I can't do justice to. So Rachel's going to take over playing one character for the next page, but I will do the rest of the narration. <laughs> do we need to turn this up? He changed course, running at Bellatrix rather than Voldemort. But before he had gone a few steps, he was knocked sideways. Not my daughter, you bitch! Mrs. Weasley threw off her cloak as she ran, freeing her arms. <laughs> Bellatrix spun on the spot, roaring with laughter like Brayden at the sight of her new challenger. Out of my way! Shouted Mrs. Weasley to the three girls, and with a swipe of her wand, she began to duel. Harry watched with terror and elation as Molly Weasley's wand slashed and twirled, and Bellatrix Lestrange's smile faltered and became a snarl. Jets of light flew from both wands, and the floor around the witch's feet became hot and cracked. Both women were fighting to kill. No! Mrs. Weasley cried as a few students ran forward, trying to come to her aid. Get back! Get back! She's mine! Hundreds of people now lined the walls, watching the two fights. Voldemort and his three opponents, Bellatrix and Molly, and Harry stood, invisible, torn between both, wanting to attack and yet to protect, unable to be sure that he would not hit the innocent. What will happen to you when your children, what will happen to your children when I've killed you, taunted Bellatrix, as mad as her master, capering at Molly's curses, danced around her. When mummy's gone the same way as Freddy. You will 
never touch our children again. Bellatrix laughed, the same exhilarated laugh her cousin Sirius had given as he toppled backward through the veil, and suddenly Harry knew what was going to happen before it did. Molly's curse soared beneath Bellatrix's outstretched arm and hit her squarely in the chest, directly over her heart. Bellatrix's gloating smile froze. Her eyes seemed to bulge. For the tiniest space of time, she knew what had happened, and then she toppled, and the watching crowd roared, and Voldemort screamed. Harry felt as though he turned in slow motion. He saw McGonagall, Kingsley, and Slughorn blasted backward. Thanks, Rachel. Flailing and writhing through the air, as Voldemort's fury at the fall of his last best lieutenant exploded with the force of a bomb, Voldemort raised his wand and directed it at Molly Weasley. Protego, roared Harry, and the shield charm expanded in the middle of the hall, and Voldemort stared around for the source as Harry pulled off his invisibility cloak at last. The yell of shock, the cheers, the screams on every side of, Harry, he's alive, were stifled at once. The crowd was afraid, and silence fell abruptly and completely as Voldemort and Harry looked at each other and began, at the same moment, to circle each other. Do you want to take over Harry at this point? I don't want anyone else to try to help, Harry said loudly, and in the total silence, his voice carried like a trumpet call. It's got to be like this. It's got to be me. Voldemort hissed. Potter doesn't mean that, he said, his red eyes wide. That isn't how he works, is it? Who are you going to use as a shield today, Potter? Nobody, said Harry simply. There are no more Horcruxes. It's just you and me. Neither can live while the other survives, and one of us is about to leave for good. <laughs> one of us? jeered Voldemort as his whole body was taut, and his red eyes stared, a snake that was about to strike. You think it will be you, do you? The boy who has survived by accident, and because Dumbledore was pulling the strings. Accident, was it, when my mother died to save me? Asked Harry. They were still moving sideways, both of them, in that perfect circle, maintaining the same distance from each other. And for Harry, no face existed but Voldemort's. Accident, when I decided to fight in that graveyard. Accident, that I didn't defend myself tonight and still survived and returned to fight again. Accidents, screamed Voldemort, but he did not strike. And the watching crowd was frozen as if petrified. And of the hundreds in the hall... Nobody seemed to breathe, but they too. Accident and chance, and the fact that you crouched and sniveled behind the skirts of greater men and women, and permitted me to kill them for you. You won't be, kin- you won't be killing anyone else tonight, said Harry as they circled and stared into each other's eyes, green into red. You won't be able to kill any of them ever again. Don't you get it? I was ready to die to stop you from hurting these people. But you did not. I meant to, and that's what did it. I've done what my mother did. They protected for, they're protected from you. Haven't you noticed how none of the spells you put on them are binding? You can't torture them. You can't touch them. You don't learn from your mistakes, Riddle, do you? You dare. Yes, I dare, said Harry. I know things you don't know, Tom Riddle. I know lots of important things that you don't. <laughs> I'm really smart. I know things. <laughs> Want to hear some before you make another big mistake? Voldemort did not speak, but prowled in a circle and Harry knew that he kept him temporarily memorized and at bay, held back by the faintest possibility that Harry might indeed know a final secret. "'Is it love again?' said Voldemort, his snake's face jeering. 
Dumbledore's favorite solution, love, which he claimed conquered death, though love did not stop him from falling from the tower and breaking like an old waxwork. Love, which did not prevent me stamping out your mudblood mother like a cockroach, Potter. And nobody seems to love you enough to run forward this time and take my curse. So what will stop you dying now when I strike? Just one thing, said Harry, and still they circled each other, wrapped in each other, held apart by nothing but the last secret. If it is not love that will save you this time, said Voldemort, you must believe that you have magic that I do not, or else a weapon more powerful than mine? I believe both, said Harry, and he saw shock flit across the snake-like face, though it was instantly dispelled. Voldemort began to laugh, and the sound was more frightening than his screams, humorless and insane. It echoed around the silent hall. You think you know more magic than I do, he said. Then I, then Lord Voldemort, who has performed magic that Dumbledore never dreamed of. Oh, he dreamed of it, said Harry. But he knew more than you, knew enough not to do what you've done. You mean he was weak, screamed Voldemort. Too weak to dare, too weak to take what might have been his, what will be mine. No, he was cleverer than you, said Harry. A better wizard, a better man. I brought about the death of Albus Dumbledore. You thought you did, said Harry. But you were wrong. Ooh, for the first time, the watching crowd stirred as the hundreds of people around the walls drew breath as one. And did he just say that? He said Dumbledore didn't kill <laughs> didn't kill Dumbledore, Voldemort, Dumbledore? Dumbledore point, is dead. What? I really wish Hagrid would have broke in right here. <laughs> now hold on just a minute. I'm not following. <laughs> can we Ron, do you know I don't can we let's run that back. Ron, give me a beer. Dumbledore is dead. Voldemort hurled the words at Harry as though they would cause him unendurable pain. His body decays in the marble tomb in the grounds of this castle. I have seen it, Potter, and he will not return. Yes, Dumbledore's dead, said Harry calmly. But you didn't have him killed. He chose his own manner of dying, chose it months before he died. He arranged the whole thing with the man you thought was your servant. What childish dream is this, said Voldemort, but still he did not strike, and his red eyes did not waver from Harry's. Man, like we've seen throughout history a lot of like last duel monologues mm-hmm. between the you know good and evil, but this is this is uh this is up there. They've been circling a lot. They oh. could be dizzy by now. Yeah, don't worry. We've got plenty of monologue to go. Severus Snape wasn't yours, said Harry. Snape was Dumbledore's. Dumbledore's from the moment you started hunting down my mother, and you never realized it because of the thing you can't understand. You never saw Snape cast a Patronus, did you, Riddle? Voldemort did not answer. They continued to circle each other like wolves about to tear each other apart. Snape's Patronus was a doe, said Harry. The same as my mother's, because he loved her for nearly all of his life, from the time when they were children. You should have realized, he said as he saw Voldemort's nostrils flare. He asked you to spare her life, didn't he? He desired her, that was all, sneered Voldemort. But when she had gone, he agreed that there were other women, and of purer blood, worthier of him. Of course he told you that, said Harry. But he was Dumbledore's spy from the moment you threatened her, 
and he's been working against you ever since. Dumbledore was already dying when Snape finished him. It matters not, shrieked Voldemort, who had followed every word with rapt attention, but now let out a cackle of mad laughter. It matters not whether Snape was mine or Dumbledore's or what petty obstacles they tried to put in my path. I crushed them all as I crushed your mother, Snape's supposed great love. Oh, but it all makes sense, Potter, and in ways you do not understand. Dumbledore was trying to keep the Elder Wand from me. He intended that Snape should be the true master of the wand. But I got there ahead of you, little boy. I reached the wand before you could get your hands on it. I understood the truth before you caught up. I killed Severus Snape three hours ago, and the Elder Wand, the Death Stick, the Wand of Destiny, is truly mine. Dumbledore's last plan went wrong, Harry Potter. Yeah, it did, said Harry. You're right. But before you try to kill me, I'd advise you think about what you've done. Think and try for some remorse, Riddle. What is this? Of all the things that Harry had said to him, beyond any revelation or taunt, nothing had shocked Voldemort like this. Harry saw his pupils contract to thin slits, saw the skin around his eyes whiten. It's your one last chance, said Harry. It's all you've got left. I've seen what you'll be otherwise. Be a man. Ooh, firing a little masculinity bomb at him. Try. Try for some remorse. You dare, said Voldemort again. Oh, yes, I dare, said Harry. Because Dumbledore's last plan hasn't backfired on me at all. It's backfired on you, Riddle. Voldemort's hand was trembling on the Elder Wand, and Harry gripped Draco's very tightly. The moment, he knew, was seconds away. At this point as the reader, should I know what's about to happen? I don't know. Do you, what do you think is about to happen? I have no idea. But I, I feel like J.K.R. is writing it as if like, and we, and we all know too. We all know too because we're in Harry's head. We've, but Voldemort Traditionally, we've been in Harry's head. Yeah. Okay. Um, is it me? Yeah, that wand. That wand still isn't working properly for you because you murdered the wrong person. Severus Snape was never the true master of the Elder Wand. He never defeated Dumbledore. But he killed. Aren't you listening? Snape never beat Dumbledore. Dumbledore's death was planned between them. Dumbledore intended to die undefeated, the wand's last true master. If all had gone as planned, the wand's power would have died with him because it had never been won from him. But then Potter Dumbledore as good as gave me the wand. Voldemort's voice shook with malicious pleasure. I stole the wand from its last master's tomb. I removed it against its last master's wishes. Its power is mine. You still don't get it, Riddle, do you? Possessing the wand isn't enough. Holding it, using it, it doesn't make it really yours. Didn't you listen to Ollivander? The wand chooses the wizard. The Elder Wand recognized a new master before Dumbledore died, someone who never even laid a hand on it. The new master removed the wand from Dumbledore against his will, never realizing exactly what he had done or what the world, or that the world's most dangerous wand had given him its allegiance. Voldemort's chest rose and fell rapidly, and Harry could feel the curse coming, feel it building inside the wand pointed at his face. The true master of the Elder Wand was Draco Malfoy. Yikes. Blank shock showed in Voldemort's face for a moment, but then it was gone. How is Draco the master of the wand? How is Draco the master of the wand? I feel like I gotta reread this. 
Okay, Snape Voldemort's never like, defeated no, Dumbledore. He stole it, right. And that's what Harry's saying is that you got to pay attention to the subtleties. Just having it doesn't make it yours, right? Because the wand chooses the wizard. Yeah, the wand recognizes, like, true ownership. Right. So Snape never defeated Dumbledore because Dumbledore wanted him to kill him. So the wand is just like, yeah, sure, that's going along with it. But how did Draco defeat Dumbledore? And only Harry could know about it. You're not going to remember. It's a good guess. <laughs> it's always a good guess. It's like the Sunday school answer. Um, so when, if you'll think back to the end of the sixth book, about a book ago, about a book ago, um, Harry and Dumbledore are flying on brooms back to Hogwarts, right? After yeah. the cave. Dumbledore's like super sick. He drank that gross poison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They land on the tower. And Dumbledore's like, woof, okay, here we go. Got to go find Snape. And Harry's like, why Snape? He's like, just find Snape. Uh, and then Draco shows up, and he and Harry's invisible. Okay, Harry's invisible. He's um, yeah. petrified. Draco disarms Dumbledore. So the wand is recognizing that as defeat? Yes. Uh, come on. That's what I it's mean, recognizing. A victory, sure. Defeat? It's the, it's the other side of victory. I mean, but it's more like Draco won a battle. He didn't win the war. <laughs> okay, well, it, it just depends how the wand sees it. That's, that's Harry's logic, anyway. Okay. So right. Harry might still die for all you know. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Harry was super wrong. Voldemort <laughs> killed him really hard. <laughs> Just pooped on him. Yeah, JKR just comes back in with another one of those sentences. And all the things Harry just said, they were all wrong. Dear reader, <laughs> Harry couldn't have been dumber this year. All this stuff he thought he was doing. Voldemort's like, I have 40 other Horcruxes thrown into the oceans. Why did you Turns think out. that was it? <laughs> you are so stupid. Turns out the comatose trip to purgatory killed many brain cells. Yeah. Just, Harry hasn't been like, um, it's one of those like movie scenes where it zooms out and they think they're making a really good point. He's just going, I already killed you and Draco and Dumbledore. And everyone's just like, what, what the frick? This is our hero. He's stoned. <laughs> he's, he's not making any points. Hagrid's following right along. Okay. No, that makes sense. That's true. Thank you guys for slowing it down. <laughs> okay. Okay. Blank shock showed in Voldemort's face for a moment, as it did in yours, to be fair, when I said Draco Malfoy. But then it was gone. But what does it matter? He said softly. Even if you are right, Potter, it makes no difference to you and me. You no longer have the Phoenix Wand. We duel this on is skill just Voldemort's alone. Voldemort's retort for everything. <laughs> I don't yeah, care. well, it doesn't matter. I'm still better at magic than you. <laughs> I'm rubber, you're glue. We duel on skill alone, and after I have killed you, I can attend to Draco Malfoy. But you're too late, said Harry. You've missed your chance. I got there first. I overpowered Draco weeks ago. I took his wand from him. Harry twitched the Hawthorne wand, and he felt the eyes of everyone in the hall upon it. So it all comes down to this, doesn't it? Oh, whispered, sorry. Whispered so Harry. So it all comes down to this, doesn't it? 
whispered Harry. Is he still whispering? I don't know. Maybe just like a, a lower voice. Yeah, grab Does the wand in your hand know its last master was disarmed? Because if it does, I am the true master of the Elder Wand, and you are screwed. What do you think? Does it know? I think it knows. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Harry would be saying that if it didn't know. I think uh, I think it knows, and if it doesn't, this is going to be a terrible ending to the book. Harry just like flicks his wand and just like keeps flicking it. All right, all right, now Expelliarmus. Yeah, and then and then Voldemort's just like, well, this is awkward, <laughs> and kills him. A red glow, a red gold glow, burst suddenly across the enchanted sky above them as an edge of dazzling sun appeared over the sill of the nearest window. The light hit both of their faces at the same time, so that Voldemort's was suddenly a flaming blur. Harry heard the high voice shriek as he too yelled his best hope to the heavens, pointing Draco's wand. Avada Kedavra! The bang was like a cannon blast, and the golden flames that erupted between them at the dead center of the circle they had been treading marked the point where the spells collided. Harry saw Voldemort's green jet meet his own spell, saw the Elder Wand fly high, dark against the sunrise, spinning across the enchanted ceiling like the head of Nagini, spinning through the air toward the master it would not kill, who had come to take full possession of it at last. And Harry, with the unerring skill of the Seeker, caught the wand in his free hand as Voldemort fell backward, arms splayed, the slit pupils of the scarlet eyes rolling upward. Tom Riddle hit the floor with a mundane finality, his body feeble and shrunken, the white hands empty, the snake-like face vacant and unknowing. Voldemort was dead, killed by his own rebounding curse, and Harry stood with two wands in his hand, staring down at his enemy's shell. (laughs) Two wands. I got two wands. Dang. So Harry even was like strategic with the Expelliarmus, like is that did he use that specifically cuz he knew it would rebound? It would be like a like a backboard for the Avada Kedavra. I mean, did he use that specifically? Like what else was he going to use, you know? Was he going to try well, to bring out a Patronus? I thought that um I thought that this was going to be the moment where he used the the Avada Kedavra. Yeah. I thought they were going to yell it at each other in unison, you know. That could have been good. It's weird because Avada Kedavra is known to be an unblockable curse. But Harry's really simple disarming curse blocked it and just bounced it back at him. But maybe that's just because of, like, the the Elder Elder Wand wouldn't kill its real master. I think that's got to be, right? Yeah. Like, that's what this whole build-up's been for. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So, that's that's it. Voldemort's dead. Seems like Voldemort's dead. Seems like. Yeah, seems like. One shivering second of silence, and he sat back up. (laughs) And puked. (laughs) The shock of the moment suspended. And then the tumult broke around Harry as the screams and the cheers and the roars of the watchers rent the air. The fierce new sun dazzled the windows as they thundered toward him, and the first to reach him were Ron and Hermione. The two fastest students at Hogwarts. And it was their arms that were wrapped around him, their incomprehensible shouts that deafened him. 
Then Ginny, Neville, and Luna were there, and then all the Weasleys, and Hagrid, and Kingsley, and McGonagall, and Flitwick, and Sprout, and Harry could not hear a word that anyone was shouting, nor tell whose hands were seizing him, pulling him, trying to hug some part of him, hundreds of them pressing in, all of them determined to touch the boy who lived, the reason it was over at last. The sun rose steadily over Hogwarts, and the Great Hall blazed with life and light. Harry was an indispensable part of the mingled outpourings of jubilation and mourning, of grief and celebration. They wanted him there with them, their leader and symbol, their savior and their guide, and that he had not slept. Like, how? when did he last sleep? Before breaking into Gringotts? Dang. It's, yeah, it's been a while. Like two and a half days ago? Yeah, he's running strictly on adrenaline fumes here. Yeah. The, them wild. purgatory fumes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he got to sleep a little bit while he was dead. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he, that he craved the company of only a few of them seemed to occur to no one. He must speak to the bereaved, clasp their hands, witness their tears, receive their thanks, hear the news now creeping in from every quarter as the morning drew on, that the imperialist up and down the country had come back to themselves that Death Eaters were fleeing or else being captured, that the innocent of Azkaban were being released at that very moment, and that Kingsley Shacklebolt had been named temporary uh, Minister of Magic. No big deal. First black Minister of Magic, probably. Just assuming it's the 90s, you know. Yeah. They moved Voldemort's body and laid it in a chamber off the hall, away from the bodies of Fred, Tonks, Lupin, Colin Creevy, and 50 others who had died fighting him. McGonagall had replaced the house tables, but nobody was sitting according to house anymore. All were jumbled together, teachers and pupils, ghosts and parents, centaurs and house elves, and Ferenzi lay recovering in the corner, and Grop peered in through a smashed window, and people were throwing food into his laughing mouth. After a while, exhausted and drained, Harry found himself sitting on a bench beside Luna. I'd want some peace and quiet if it were me, she said. I'd love some, he replied. I'll distract them all, she said. Use your cloak. And before he could say a word, she had cried, Ooh, look, a blibbering humdinger, and pointed out the window. Everyone who heard looked around, and Harry slid the cloak up over himself and got to his feet. Now he could move through the hall without interference. He spotted Ginny two tables away. She was sitting with her head on her mother's shoulder. There would be time to talk later. Hours and days and maybe years in which to talk. He saw Neville, the sword of Gryffindor, lying beside his plate as he ate, surrounded by a knot of fervent admirers. Along the aisle between the tables he walked, and he spotted the three Malfoys, huddled together as though unsure whether or not they were supposed to be there, but nobody was paying them any attention. Everywhere he looked, he saw families reunited, and finally, he saw the two whose company he craved most. It's me, he muttered, crouching down between them. Will you come with me? They stood up at once, and together he, Rond, and Hermione left the Great Hall. Great chunks were missing from the marble staircase, part of the balustrade gone, and rubble and bloodstains occurred every few steps as they climbed. Somewhere in the distance, they could hear Peeves zooming through the corridor, singing a victory song of his own composition. We did it. We bashed them. We Potter's the one. And Voldy's gone moldy. So now let's have fun. 
Really gives a feeling for the scope and tragedy of the thing, doesn't it? Said Ron, pushing open a door to let Harry and Hermione through. Happiness would come, Harry thought, but at the moment it was muffled by exhaustion, and the pain of losing Fred and Lupin and Tonks pierced him like a physical wound every few steps. Most of all, he felt the most stupendous relief at a longing to sleep. But first he owed an explanation to Ron and Hermione, who had stuck with him for so long, and who deserved the truth. Painstakingly, he recounted what he had seen in the Pensieve and what had happened in the forest, and they had not even begun to express all their shock and amazement when at last they arrived at the place to which they had been walking, though none of them had mentioned their destination. Do you know where they are? Um... We're coming up on the last scene of the book, so what's the most appropriate location for that? The Quidditch field. Okay. Since he had last seen it, the gargoyle guarding the entrance to the headmaster's study had been knocked aside. It stood lopsided, looking a little punch drunk, and Harry wondered whether it would be able to distinguish passwords anymore. Can we go up? He asked the gargoyle. Feel free, groaned the statue. They clambered over him and onto the spiral stone staircase that moved slowly upward like an escalator. Harry pushed open the door at the top. He had one brief glimpse of the stone pensive on the desk where he had left it, and then an ear-splitting noise made him cry out, thinking of curses and returning Death Eaters and the rebirth of Voldemort. But it was applause. All around the walls, the headmasters and headmistresses of Hogwarts were giving him a standing ovation. They waved their hats, and in some cases their wigs. They reached through the frames to grip each other's hands. They danced up and down on the chairs in which they had been painted. Dilly's Derwent sobbed unashamedly. Dexter Fortescue was waving his ear trumpet, and Phineas Nigellus called in his high, reedy voice, And let it be noted that Slytherin House played its part. Let our contribution not be forgotten. Oh, shove off. (laughs) But Harry had eyes only for the man who stood in the largest portrait directly behind the headmaster's chair. Tears were sliding down from behind the half-moon spectacles into the long silver beard, and the pride and gratitude emanating from him filled Harry with the same balm as Phoenix Song. At last, Harry held up his hands, and the portraits fell respectfully silent, beaming and mopping their eyes and waiting eagerly for him to speak. He directed his words at Dumbledore, however, and chose them with enormous care. Exhausted and bleary-eyed though he was, he must make one last effort, seeking one last piece of advice. The thing that was hidden in the snitch, he began, I dropped it in the forest. I don't know exactly where, but I'm not going to go look for it again. Do you agree? My dear boy, I do, said Dumbledore, while his fellow pictures looked confused and curious. A wise and courageous decision, but no less than I would have expected of you. Does anyone else know where it fell? No one, said Harry, and Dumbledore nodded his satisfaction. I'm going to keep Ignotus's present, though, said Harry, and Dumbledore beamed. But of course, Harry, it is yours forever, until you pass it on. And then there's this. Harry held up the Elder Wand, and Ron and Hermione looked at it with a reverence that, even in his befuddled and sleep-deprived state, Harry did not like to see. I don't want it, said Harry. What? said Ron loudly. Are you mental? I know it's powerful, said Harry wearily, but I was happier with mine. So he rummaged in the pouch hung around his neck 
and pulled out the two halves of holly, still just connected by the finest thread of phoenix feather. Hermione had said that they could not be repaired, and the damage was too severe. All he knew was that if this did not work, nothing would. He laid the broken wand upon the headmaster's desk, touched it with the very tip of the elder wand, and said, Reparo. And as his wand resealed, red sparks flew out of its end. Harry knew that he had succeeded. He picked up the holly and phoenix wand and felt a sudden warmth in his fingers, as the wand and hand were rejoicing at their reunion. I'm putting the elder wand, he told Dumbledore, who was watching him with enormous affection and admiration, back where it came from. It can stay there. If I die a natural death like Ignotus, its power will be broken, won't it? The previous master will never have been defeated. That'll be the end of it. Dumbledore nodded. They smiled at each other. Are you sure? said Ron. There was the faintest trace of longing in his voice as he looked at the elder wand. I think Harry's right, said Hermione quietly. That wand's more trouble than it's worth, said Harry. And quite honestly, he turned away from the painted portraits, thinking now only of the four-poster bed lying waiting for him in Gryffindor Tower, and wondering whether Creature might bring him a sandwich there. I've had enough trouble for a lifetime. Some applause. Some rim shots for Coops. Whoa, 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 there's more. There's an epilogue. So we can do that later. We'll do that with the muggies or something. Okay. She really left it open there, you know? Like, somebody could still try to kill Harry. Oh, if I die a natural death and all that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well... Um, I mean, now is probably as good a time as any to tell you that there. Have you have you ever heard of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? Probably not. I'm sorry. Uh, Cooper's trying to literally knock over the microphone. It's okay. Um, I have not. I've never heard of that. So it's a uh, play. It's on Broadway right now. It started in London. Um, I mean, it's in it's in several different cities now. But it's a play, not written by J.K.R., but like written with her like oversight and blessing. Um, that is set in the Harry Potter like universe. So there is some more Harry Potter content that exists if we choose to go that route. But and it's uh, it's Vol- the cursed child is Voldemort and Bellatrix is love child. Oh, a lot of children. Ugh, Voldemort and Bellatrix. Can you imagine? Ray Fiennes and Helena Bonham Carter. Yikes! Yikes! What does that kid look like? So where are you at? What do you? What's your biggest surprise? What's your biggest takeaway? Um, well, kind of like we talked about, biggest one of the biggest surprises is that uh, Expelliarmus is what he went with mm-hmm. in the final duel. It would have been fitting for him to use his first and only killing curse. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um. Man, it's all just like, it's all fresh and spinning in my head right now. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I just saw your text, that's good. Yeah, I love that, that yeah, I I do too. The, uh, I love that Neville played a part, Mm -hmm. love that he killed Nagini like he, uh, like Harry tasked him with. Yeah. When the battle started, um... 
And then he, you know, he gets like his recognition. He sits there and eats his breakfast with the sword. People are like, oh, Neville, can I see your sword? Like, wow, you did so awesome <laughs> killing the snake. Like, he's got like, you know, he did it. Like, people are like into Neville. Yeah. Yeah. He's really um, coming to his own. He's got a reputation now. His his parents would be so proud. Mm-hmm. Um It's also kind of surprising, like, how easily the Death Eaters were overtaken, or at least it seemed that way, as we kind of, like, backed Voldemort into the Great Hall. Yeah, ten pages earlier, he was like, we outnumber you. There's more Death Eaters than there are people at Hogwarts still fighting. And so I think we're supposed to believe that, like, hundreds of people came with Charlie. Who who was it? Arthur was like Charlie Weasley. You gotta you gotta get down here. Bring everybody you can. Go find everyone. <laughs> Anyone that you whose name you've ever heard, go get them. Like think how much time yeah. that would take. Like to go even when you can teleport, you're going from house to house. Like okay, uh, Harry Potter, they're fighting. They're fighting Voldemort. Everybody's fighting. The whole world's fighting. Uh, Hogwarts. You should come. Go to Hogsmeade, and we'll meet you there. And he goes to the next house. Like that's a lot. Yeah. I guess like you, just, you say tell two people and then tell them to tell two people. Like you do something like that. Maybe you just lied. Like you just sent a Facebook invite to everybody like, hey, party at Hogwarts. Be there. <laughs> uh, I'll bring the butterbeer. Yeah. You can, I'll let you ride a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the whole storyline of like Draco being the one who disarmed Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still trying to grasp that um yeah i mean is it a little bit of a stretch like okay he disarms him and i can buy that but then that wand was buried with dumbledore it's in his tomb but it knew that hundreds of miles away harry grabbed some wands out of draco's hand and yanked them out and it was like oh i heard okay okay i'll, I'll go with harry now like how did yeah. it download that info i mean magic that's fine but that part yeah. was a little bit of a stretch. Like Harry said, does this does this one know? And I'm, I'm kind of thinking, like, it might not. Like, how how could it? It wasn't part of that interaction. And it's not that important of, like, a loose end, but I kind of wanted, like, I'm left kind of wondering how the Malfoys get dealt with. Like, I kind of I kind of thought there would be more interaction with Draco at the end. I see. You know? uh, I see some future. I see some podcasts in our future. You thought we were done, but I think I think we're gonna have a couple more. Okay. Okay. I gotta get you a new address so I can send you a new uh, Amazon order. Been a while. Been a while since <laughs> I've just not, sent I'm you not a doing book. That again. <laughs> it's been a while since I've sent you a book. Yeah. Yeah. It has. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you have questions, there are some answers. Can it okay. can is it canon? Can it depends on your it's 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 middle tier <laughs> canon. It's not gospel canon. It's not the books. But it's yeah. it's more canon than like the video games. It and it's definitely more canon than the movies. It's definitely more canon than the movies. It'll Wait, be that'll be an interesting one. Why haven't we played the video games? Um, <laughs> I'm I'm here for it. Okay, I don't own a ton of them. They stopped making them. I th- well, maybe they did come out with Deathly Hallows games for like Wii. They came out like with the movies more so than the books. Yeah. Um, 
There's there's plenty of them, man. There's a Quidditch specific one for like PS2 and original Xbox. It's called like Harry Potter Quidditch World Cup. Um, okay. They you've got them for P. I grew up playing uh, Chamber of Secrets on PC, and also on Game Boy Color. So do you just follow like a story mode campaign through like the plot of the book? Um, yes, generally. Um, they all, they really like putting you in Hogwarts and like having you go to class. Um, oh, do like little missions around the castle? Yeah. 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 But it's like, we're not, we're not really going to give you a good map of like how to get to this class. And you got to sort of remember like based on these like bad GameCube graphics, like where, which one's charms class and how to get back to the, (laughs) and what their favorite thing to do is hide chocolate car, chocolate frog cards like in the corners of the rooms and stuff and on top of bookshelves for you to go get. And it's like, you found this wizard and you have to, and you like, you know, you can pause and go look at your collection and you have to like, <laughs> you do the same thing with like jelly beans and you can spend those. Those That's your currency. It's classic. Those nice. are some classic tropes and they add like, they invent new spells and will give like, yeah, they'll have you go to potions class and stuff like that. Okay. So, huh? I don't know that a ton of them. Now we could play some. We could definitely play some Lego Harry Potter. That's co-op. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we I'm can get some some Rachel Lego. and Hannah playing Lego Harry Potter. A little bit of that action. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I own that one for Switch actually. So that that would be an easy one. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, any other takeaways? Uh, Luna came up big. Yeah, no one died there at the very end, like we thought someone might. Yeah, that was that was a big surprise. Really thought, you know, just we were talking about how dark it was getting. I thought we were going to lose some more life, not yeah. to make light of the life that was lost. Right. Like, I really hate that she killed off Lupin and Tonks. Right, the both of them, yeah. Yeah. Always got to be an orphan. Yeah, I hate that. But as, like, uh consumer of good media uh i can appreciate that she didn't take the easy way out you know yeah you get the uh some molly weasley action you laughed you laughed when she came on screen yeah we got some molly weasley just dropping a b-bomb yeah just let just telling bellatrix how it is yeah i think that's i think that's the only one yeah, it was good. It was timely. Yeah. It was necessary. It was like how you get one F word in a PG thirteen movie. <laughs> yeah. It was like that. Yeah, timely, relevant, well placed. Yeah, yeah, and I like that Harry. He's watching Voldemort duel. You know, two teachers in Kingsley, and he's like, "Oh, I want to kill Voldemort," and also like, "I love McGonagall." But then he like all, he's pulled just as much over towards Molly and Bellatrix because I mean like man Molly Weasley like if he loses her like how many parent parental figures do you want like to die yeah, for yeah. in front of Harry that's probably the instinct that kicked in and I did feel like that was quintessential Harry Potter like that moment where he's he's like internally debating with himself like do I just kill Voldemort right now because I'm still invisible mm-hmm. or do I protect and like you know, as the reader, we immediately know, like, oh, he's going to protect. Like, yeah. that's what Harry does. Yeah. And so um, that moment almost kind of defines the whole series. Like, where he, in the moment, like, decides, nope, protect Molly. Yeah. Instead of, like, killing Voldemort. And even then, 
um, kind of tied together as like that final exclamation point, like the the final spells of the duel. Like he didn't use, use a defensive Kedavra. spell. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And that kind of speaks to like the contrast between him and Voldemort. You know, who's like, I don't get it. Like, I have the strongest spells. It's like the dude, like a dude walking. That's like my gun's the biggest gun. Like I'm gonna, like I'm yeah. like nothing else matters. Like just his inability to grasp subtlety. And like yeah. the nuance of Harry's like, no, like you didn't actually pay attention. Like you missed all the details of this that are important, but you just think that if you do enough big grand things, they'll sweep the details away and it doesn't. Yep. Yep. Just arrogance, just yeah. blind arrogance. Yeah. Um, he never like learned said, that he wasn't the best. He was the smartest kid in the orphanage who could do freaking magic. And then he's the smartest kid at wizard school. Not only did he not learn it, he just, he just refused to consider it. Right. You know, like I think Harry and Dumbledore are easily defeated throughout this entire story if Dumbledore just considers, like, yeah. maybe they're smarter than I'm giving them credit for here. It's almost like, like a mental health defect, like he, like like a narcissist, like a or like psychosis. You know, like a psychotic, like inability to consider the perspectives of others or like even aspects of others. Inability to that, and inability to like even imagine, like just no self-awareness yeah. of like, of like weakness just yeah. isn't, is not able to perceive the idea that he might have a weakness, you yeah. know? Yeah. Just epic, nar- like weapons grade narcissism. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where we are. Uh, not our shortest episode necessarily, but got through some, got through some good stuff, had some relevant stuff. I'm see, I'm just, I'm a sucker for, and the good guy was about to lose, and then all of his friends that he's made by being nice to them over the years came and saved him. <laughs> like, I just love it. It's a wonderful life gets me every time. Every single time. <laughs> I, I, that's, I cry like twice a year, and that's one of them, is Christmas Eve watching It's a Wonderful Life. And it's the same thing as like, and then there came Charlie and Slughorn and the Centaurs and Buckbeak. It's like, I remember Harry, he freed me from the executioner. Like, he comes in to help. Like, everyone does as much as they can, you know? Yeah. Sucker for yeah. it. It's great. So it's easy to, I mean, I'm a sucker for it too. We love it. You love to see it. You love to see it. Well, if you guys are sucker for more content, if you want to try to convince Braden um, to play along with uh, doing one or two episodes on Cursed Child, um, we still have at least the movie pod and a muggies slash like wrap up kind of thing. I feel like we need to have Jeremy and Jess on. For a pod, just like discussing. Oh wow, Trevor Lawrence went first overall. Wow. What am I missing here? Yep, 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 yep. Pretty, pretty uh, chalky. I guess Mac Jones could have gone three, but easily predicted by Mel Kiper Jr. We saw this coming. Jamar Chase, long, lengthy receiver out of LSU. We'll see what happens to Justin Fields. This is what everyone wants to hear. Um, please call in. I mean, we just finished the series. This is what the moment you've all been waiting for. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, let Braden know how dumb he was. Embarrass him. Make fun of him one more time. You know, while we still have the chance. Get your last digs in. Yeah, get him in. Uh, we'd love to hear him. Uh, give us a howl. Call or text the howler. If you don't know the number by now, Jeremy might put it in. The, I don't know if he puts it in the show notes. You can go back and listen to the other episodes. I said it earlier. Nine seven eight seven six eight eighty three seventy. 
I'd love to hear from you. Uh, We don't need to do like the shout outs to everyone and like the tearful thank yous for listening to this podcast for three and a half years. We've still got some time for that, but um, yeah, we just finished the seventh book. There it is, dude. Shouts to Cooper. Cooper was the only, no, George showed up and Rachel. Rachel showed up for this episode. We didn't have Hannah coming in and glaring at you yet. It's a surprise. <laughs> Cooper good, is a... Good odds on that happening. He, Cooper, that's not how we lay. We don't lay no. splayed out with our crotch directly against lays. the ground. That is how Cooper lays. He loves it. He done messed up. You raised him wrong. He's a weird little dog. Well, thanks for reading along with me, Braden. Thank you. It's been a wild ride. <laughs> it has. <laughs> it has. We've had it. We've had our ups and downs. You know. We but we made it. We made it through. Nobody believed I'm in no us. I'm no longer a muggle. People didn't think that you're not. You're a wizard. I am a wizard now. You're a wizard. Wow. Feels good to say that. Feels good. You you can like, you can read Harry Potter memes. Yeah, I know. I can go online freely now and, and not fan worry fiction. About and, yeah. You're good to go. You gotta get that. Yeah. Gotta get that eighth movie in. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a whole world that I'm about to be introduced to now. Of just like there is fan, fan culture. Yeah, yeah. We can get you with all that. So, thanks for listening along, guys. Bye.